0: Let's talk about virtual care clinics because, you know, they're supposed to make our lives easier, but suggestions now that it's actually making things worse for the health system. And, of course, this became a big thing uh, during the pandemic. And it, it, it is convenient, but it does not in any way replace actual in-person care. It's great for things like, you know, I don't, know, I don't even know if you go for like a sty in your eye. I mean, it's great if you just want to do a check-in, but it does not replace like more serious issues like maybe you've got a lump. Or maybe that doctor would find that lump poking and prodding around Um, so it doesn't really uh, help that Uh, but new research seems to suggest that what was brought in to make you know health easier is creating more strain on the system because virtual patients are ending up in er anyway because there's no continuity to the care so we're in a bit of a situation where virtual care is uh, being cut back at a time when some patients and doctors say, look, it's essential for us to get access, but others are saying, look, the stopgap measure is creating more problems. Let's bring in Dr. Tara Tara Kieran to the conversation, a family physician at Toronto St. Mike's Hospital, also senior author of this study that compared patients who visited their own family doctor virtually to those who went to these virtual online clinics. Good morning, doctor. Good morning. All right. Um. Look, These things, I don't know if it was one of those things where it was long overdue to bring virtual care in or just a a symptom or a response from the pandemic, but it is here. It does make things more convenient. But what are you seeing?
1: So, virtual care certainly has its place in the healthcare system. Um, But, you know, virtual care is best when it's integrated in the context of an ongoing relationship um, in a primary care setting. So, uh, and I'm, I'm talking about primary care here because it's also important and specialty care, but even the same thing holds true there. You need to do virtual care in a way where you can have a, uh, see someone in person if needed. Um, and often, you know, uh, that that in-person visit has many different components to it. So there's the physical exam, but I'll be honest, as a physician, there's also just building the rapport over time with people, which can be much better done in person, uh, in my experience. Um, so yes, virtual care is convenient uh, much of the time, but some of the things that we, some of the research we've found is that actually if it's not done in the right way, it can have um, some negative consequences.
0: Yeah, I well, it, I mean, if it becomes the only way you're seeing a doctor, I mean that's a very very big problem. I mean it's great if you just want to check in and say, hey, look, doc, I need a refill of a prescription, or you know, I've got this headache, whatever. It just can't be the only care, um, and, and I think. For a lot of people, Doctor, that is their care because there's so many people who don't have primary care. They can't get a doctor.
1: Yeah, so that is a sorry state that we're in right now. A primary care is in crisis and 1.8 million doctor- 1.8 million people in Ontario, mm. even prior to the pandemic, didn't have a family doctor. Um, and now that's just gotten worse with more doctors leaving practice uh, and more doctors intending to leave practice. So we we do need to solve that issue. But Putting in more virtual care clinics or virtual-only clinics is not going to address the issue. If anything, actually, one of the things I've come to, to to realize and think about is that we have way too much of our health human resource actually working in, I think, walk-in clinics providing band-aid solutions. Instead, what would happen if all of those doctors were working in walk-in clinics were working in a, a regular family practice where they were seeing patients on an ongoing basis, and those family practices banded together to provide shared after-hours care? I mean, that would be a much more efficient use of resources in a way of actually getting every m- many more people a family doctor um, that they could see over. time time.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you step back and just look at the overall picture, it's, I, it's hard to even know wh- where to start. That's how many issues we have, because we're putting Band-Aids all over everything right now. And the Band-Aids aren't sticking. So we're just throwing more Band-Aids up, hoping that it might work. And, and it, ultimately, it's not going to work. However, we, we somehow end up putting it in as, as, a, as a solution and convincing ourselves it does. I mean, um, earlier in the month, the province and the OMA agreed that they're going to reduce their fees on this particular kind of care. Uh, so that has happened. But there are still a number of doctors, um, uh, Dr. Kieran, who who do want this and who do need this. And so, like, what's the solution here? Because I, I don't know, given we have so many problems, like, what is the solution with a, without ignoring other problems?
1: Yeah, so... I mean, I think I, I support the changes that have come forward from the Ontario Medical Association and the, and the Ministry of Health. I think these were well thought out. And I think the way that they they're moving forward is a virtual care framework where virtual care is um, ideally delivered in the context of an ongoing relationship, which we think mm. is critical. Um, and that's when you're going to be compensated at a different degree than if it's Delivered outside of an ongoing relationship, and so myself, I'm a family doctor with with you know my own practice, and uh, I continue to do phone calls um, uh, or, or virtual care with patients uh, as part of that practice. So it's not changing what I'm doing on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. These changes in billing codes. What it is changing, though, is the is I think the the existence of these virtual-only walk-in clinics. And so I think it's probably a good time for me to share some of our research, uh, currently in preprint, but it's going to be coming out in a peer-reviewed publication soon, where we, we looked at, you know, we compared people who went to a virtual-only walk-in clinic with people who did a virtual visit with, their family, with a family doctor. And the people who went to a virtual-only walk-in clinic, they were two times more likely to visit the emergency department so right. that's an important finding because it shows that you know the the importance of of, of being able to complete the visit often with an in-person assessment. Um, When you're doing something virtual only, you can only Mm -hmm. there's only so much assessment you can do. Uh, Often that person really does need to be seen and if a clinic is operating virtual only, they don't, that means they don't have a place for them to be seen in person. So in the meantime, for all those people who don't have a family doctor, um, there are in-person walk-in clinics that you can attend and there is also a great service called Health Connect Ontario that I would uh, direct people to where you can speak to a nurse 20 for hours and they can help direct you as to where the right place to go is.
0: Yeah, I mean, I look at telehealth like that. Like you get on with them and they they go through everything, and then of course at the end every single time it's and then you should go to your doctor, go to your hospital. I'm like, why am I on telehealth if you're just? Gonna-? But again, it's great. But it's I feel like we're just playing games with the services. I mean, if you're going to keep telling patients, you know, go to your doctor after and they don't have one, then you're just kind of moving the the. You know, peanut
1: under the I, show game. I'm hoping they're a little bit yeah. more nuanced than that now. I mean, <laughs> for example, many of the respiratory viruses that are going around, yeah. there's certainly people who need to see their doctor for an assessment, or see a doctor for assessment. So if you're older, over 60, um, and you're not well, if you're uh, have um, immunocompromi, if you're immunocompromised, uh, you know, if you're a young child and uh, you're having difficulty breathing or not keeping down fluids. Those are reasons to be seen. However, ma- many people with these respiratory viruses are actually just going to get better on their own at home. And so I think um, calling Health Connect Ontario to try and kind of figure out, do you have one of these um, kind of worrisome flags that means you need to be seen in person is, is, a, is a good idea. It's a, it's, a, it's a good service that way.
0: Yeah, well I think uh, if only the players would get in a room and just hash it all out and start getting serious about finding <laughs> solutions cuz these band-aids aren't going to stick forever and I think doctors like yourself very much are aware of that. Very much appreciate it. We'll keep watching it. Thanks uh, for your time. Thank you. Thank you. That's Dr. Uh, Tara Tara Kiran who is a family physician. One of the few we have left, I'd say. Yeah, they're not um they're not signing up like they used to. That that is what we have to fix. It is the number one or one of the One of the priorities that has to be remedied is getting doctors. And don't forget, Trudeau ran on that. He would get every Canadian a doctor. That stuff has to be solved. The sooner you solve that and make it a a priority, you'll keep a lot more people out of the ERs and all these other things. And again, virtual care, I I like it, want it to stick around, but it cannot become your primary care. I, I know somebody who had a lump, pushed to go to see the doctor, and had they not gone to the doctor, they'd be dead because... The only way you're going to see a lump in your breast is if the doctor sees it. You can't see that on a screen. So uh, again, it's fine for part of the solution. It cannot be a solution.